Thanks to Noon Hydration for its longtime support of Another Mother Runner and its exclusive sponsorship of this episode. Visit noonlife.com, that's N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com, to receive 20% off your order when you use promo code NOONAMR20. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. Today, we're going to explore a post-race feeling. Nope, it's not that finish line bliss, but something that usually arrives the day or two after a race. The post-race blues. The post-race blues are simply defined feelings of sadness, listlessness, emptiness after finishing an event. It's also called post-achievement letdown, and they can happen with any race distance or any race type. They aren't really dependent on whether or not the race went well or whether or not you met your goals. They can kind of just ground you and hit you hard no matter what. So today we're talking with two women, Jody Edmonds, who ran her first marathon in October and was surprised by the sadness she felt after her very successful marathon debut, and Dr. Erin Elia and a licensed psychologist who specializes in health and sports psychology and works at Premier Sports Psychology in the Twin Cities area. Jody is the mom of two teenagers. She's a high school teacher and lives in Eastern Pennsylvania, while Erin lives in my favorite city of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and is an endurance sports pro. She's completed marathons, long distance triathlons, and is the co-founder of a really cool women's cycling team in Minneapolis. So excited to have you guys both on the team, uh, on the team actually, and on the podcast. So um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So Jody, let's start with you. So first tell us about yourself um, as a runner. What what got you started running and and, uh, when did you start that kind of thing? Okay, well, I started running um, about five years after 9-11 happened. Um, My neighbors at the time lost their niece in 9-11. And so they were doing a scholarship 5K run to raise money for a scholarship in her name. And I thought, well, sure, I'll do it because she asked. And I wasn't into running at the time at all. I had two very little children and I thought, sure. I had about five or six months before the race. So I was like, all right, well, how do you train for that? I did have a treadmill, but I never used it. And so I got on it and I went 3.2 miles and then I, and then I, or 3.1 miles. And then I got on it again the next day and did it again. And each day I would try to just do it faster than I did it the day before. And wow. You did that yeah. for six months to prepare for a 5K? I, I did it. I did it. <laughs> well, because I had never run before and I sure. didn't know what I was doing. So yeah. I, I did it about five to six days a week. I would get on there and just try to do it. Some days it it wasn't faster, but I, I just kept at it. And then I ran my first 5K. That was when I ran my first 5K. And I was like, wow, that was fun. But I had two little kids and it was really hard at the time. So that was kind of the end for a while. And then I just kind of picked it up about, um, I don't know, I guess about eight or nine years ago, I just started running again. And, and then I found AMR and I got started doing it more. And I've just, you know, I've done the past couple of love the runs and I've just, it's become more and more over the past few years, but that's great. That's, that's cool. The marathon was a biggie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. So what prompted you to sign up for your first marathon and, and which one did you do? I did the virtual Boston nice. and 
I was just from doing the Love Your Run, one of my group members from um, the relay race, the last, the last part of it, said that they opened it up for a virtual and put the link up in the group. And I was like, oh, and I checked it out and I asked my husband and he's like, well, you want to do it? Go ahead. And I was like, well, I don't know. And I did it. And then the next day I regretted it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about running a marathon. I've never. And at that point, I hadn't done anything more than a half. And I was like, I don't even know if I can do that. And it, it was just one of those things that I just didn't think about it again until June when I I got the training program and started your your training program. And and I was like, well, and I decided that I was going to do anything and everything to make it the best race I could make it be. And, so. and you did. I mean, so you used the 26.2 go the distance, right, is, which mm-hmm. is a good for like a first timer. And your yeah. training, I mean, it sounds like I checked it on your Facebook page a little bit, some of your posts. I mean, it sounds like you were like, A, you really I, worked on your self-confidence and B, you you got it done with like a capital G. Yeah, I, I did. I, my I wanted to... Um, leave everything there. Like I didn't want to, I've heard of other people that I had talked to over, you know, different times that you like, Oh yeah. You know, I wish I pushed a little harder or I probably could have gone a little faster. And when I was done, I didn't want to have to say that. Like, I didn't want to be able to even say I could have done better. I wanted to just give it everything I had, even if that meant, you know, vomiting at the end. Like I just wanted to have nothing left in the tank and I wanted to know that I gave it everything. I followed the training to the T I like every Sunday on my rest day, I would look at the next week of what I had going on and I would shift my, my training schedule around to work with our schedule. And thank goodness, most of it was over the summer, which works out for me being a teacher, but sure, it, I, I wanted to just, you know, and, and as my husband says, anything I do, I do 100% once I'm committed. So yeah. I just wanted to give it all. And I was pretty proud of my time. I, I, I was pretty excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, again, I, I, I want you to, to elaborate on this, but you, on the Facebook page, you put a couple times that you wanted to go under four hours mm-hmm. and you ran 340, which is significantly under four hours, which is awesome, yeah. awesome. And um, and let's just not forget that it was virtual. I mean, that's your first marathon. Like, mm-hmm. did you did you have support along the way or kind of talk about race day and how you brought got some excitement going or did you just put your head down and get so, it done? I honestly did it on my treadmill you did wow because the trails by now i did some of my training on the trails by my house um but there's some parts of the trails that are a little sketchy for me and i don't feel comfortable on them and i love my treadmill and i love the ifit and i can i can go forever on there with that and so i decided last minute to just do it on my treadmill and my husband came down a couple of times to check on me. He had to leave for a while and then came back. But my daughter was down there almost like every half an hour. She would come in and check in. She'd refill my water bottle if I needed it. She was cheering me on, like, where are you at? What time What time do you have? What mile are you at? And I mean, when I went down there, there were signs hung up all over and oh. you know our weight room of like go mom and you got this and it was it was I was pretty excited like they were they were she was my cheer squad because at one point around mile 19 tears came and I just I think I ran three miles in tears and I just looked around I'm like kid where's your dad because I don't think I can do this anymore and she's like just keep going mom you're doing awesome I swear and and 
I, I don't know how I did it, but I just kept listening to her and I just kept going. And in that last mile, she's like, one more mile, mom, one more mile. And that last mile, I just sped up and just gave it everything. Cause I figured if I ran it faster, I'd be done faster. And I just wanted it over. <laughs> sure, so, sure. Yeah. So I did, and my husband and my daughter were there. My son was at the gym at the time when I finished, but they were both there cheering me on and jumping around my weight room and and excited for me. And it was it was pretty exciting. I was I was real happy. I was real excited. I I knew I gave it everything I had. So it was it was pretty exciting. That is that. I mean, that's so cool. So cool. Congratulations. I hope that it's, I I know it's hard to soak it up. And especially because it was a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes I feel like that was like three years ago and not three weeks ago, but, um, but congratulations. So, um, so let's, let's hit the clunk. So, so post race, um, you posted on the Facebook page, which is why I, how I found you for this. And you asked a question about like, is feeling sad, normal like you like my I did great my family was so supportive I ran a 340 like you know like you couldn't have crafted a better day for yourself and yet you were just sad right yep I was um Sunday was still kind of exciting though my body was starting to feel a little rough on Sunday I felt a little rough but I kept moving and then Monday I had taken the day off so I could go and I scheduled a massage for myself and I scheduled to get my hair done just as a nice like pamper me relaxing day after the marathon and I woke up that day and I just felt like I don't know like like something was missing like I just felt like off though I enjoyed my I enjoyed my massage and getting my hair done like it was a great day like I had a nice day but I just felt like something was off and then when I went to work on Tuesday, you know, you know, different coworkers like, oh, how did it go? How did it do? And I was like, oh, it was great. And then, but it was just sort of like, yeah, like it was yeah. it, like that excitement was sort of gone. Like I'd have it in that second talking to them. And then I was just sort of, all right, so now what? Like, sure. I, like I just, and, and I knew I had to rest my body. So I wasn't running and I wasn't doing anything, but for so many months I knew every single day what I was doing like I knew what how far I was going or what what you know strength I was doing like I knew everything I was doing for months and months and then all of a sudden it was like I had no plan I had there was there was nothing like there was nothing on even the back of my mind of like so what's my workout today like what's my run today and the weird part that bothered me was I would, I always liked to run. Like it just was always like, yeah, that's my thing. And I didn't want to run, but then at the same time I wanted to run, but I didn't have any desire to run. Like it was just, I just felt so weird. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And my husband's like, oh, it's just, you know, just your body's still recovering. But honestly, by like Wednesday, I felt fine. My, my body didn't hurt nothing. I, I felt perfect. Like the massage was the best idea ever, but like, I felt physically great, but mentally, I just, it was like, I I hate to make this connection, but it almost felt like a loss. Like there was something missing and I couldn't figure out why I felt so depressed all of a sudden about like, just sad about not having something to do when I could just go for a run, but I just really didn't even want to do that either. It just felt so strange. And that's why I posted, I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Or is this like normal? And just nobody ever talks about this part. And because with, and I even went back into 
like I have your your um your book for training and I had another training book about marathons and I actually went back into both of the books to see if there was anything written about like sure afterwards and there was about like recovery and like how long to take for your body but there wasn't anything about that mental thought yeah you know and it was like you know and somebody at work and I think somebody posted on Facebook too like you know sign up for another race that'll give you something to do that'll distract your mind but I just that didn't even sound good to me. Like nothing felt like it was, it, it was right. Like sure. it just seemed, I just felt off. I mean, it only lasted, I want to say for like that week and the following weekend, I decided like, oh, I'm going to just, you know, strength train a couple of days and start running. And, and I picked out a new, you know, run on my iFit and a new program. And that sort of has been like my thing the past two weeks and kind of getting me back into it. But it was still very, I don't want to say concerning, but it was just, I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah, so I was sort yeah. of, I was sort of, you know, shocked by feeling that way. Cause that's, that's not me. I'm usually the, the go-getter cheerleader for everybody else. So for me to feel that way about my own race, you know, something so exciting and I was so proud of how I did. And then it was like, I, I just felt, I don't know, sad about it. And it was troubling. Troubling for sure, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing all that because that's super helpful just to hear all everything you went through. Erin, um, let's bring you in here. Is Jody's experience, is that pretty typical? I mean, I wanna say normal, but is it typical? It's really typical. And in fact, they've done some research on this. It, it often comes up for Olympic athletes after the Olympic games because they spend four years training for a single event. And then afterwards, they feel the same exact things that that you felt, Jody, and and that's why there are so many names for it. And I think it's most common in like endurance athletes and then the Olympic athletes because we spend so much tra time training for one specific event, and your life centers around that. And then there's this like, well, now what afterwards, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's like we anticipate this and. And we spend so much time anticipating that moment of crossing the virtual finish line and the feelings that we're going to have of just like pride and accomplishment and confidence and the sense of like, oh my gosh, I did it. Right. And we don't anticipate what happens afterward. Yeah. It's hard to think about that. Right. It's almost like you think a lot about the wedding day, but not the marriage or the birth plan, but not necessarily being a mom, you know, I mean, certainly you give some thought to that, but yeah, I mean, so I've read a lot about it and definitely have experienced myself. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's one concrete reason that it happens, but it's kind of a confluence of factors. I mean, Jody, I mean, not Jody, Erin, uh, can you talk a little bit about them? Like, is it mm -hmm. chemical? Is it the loss of focus? Is it that your body's mm -hmm. exhausted or all that? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of those things. Another thing that often comes up is we live in in such a like achievement kind of driven society, right? Like we're very achievement focused in the U.S. just in general. And anecdotally, a lot of the endurance athletes who I work with are the same. Yes. Um, and we really like to check things off the list. And as, as Jody noted, like go at it 100 percent. Right. Like I also am not one for moderation. And I think that's why I like the endurance sports so much. And and I think the the sticking point is there's this there's this term in psychology called the hedonic treadmill, which is really con really convenient to be talking about it with a marathon runner who just did it on a treadmill. And it's this sense of kind of the theory goes that everyone has this baseline level of happiness. And throughout life, we have the peaks and the valleys. But one thing that can happen is we continue to chase the, the peaks 
and those feelings of happiness. And we associate specific events with it, like, like finishing a marathon, like getting married, like having a baby. Right. And so one thing that can happen is we get on this hedonic treadmill where we're always chasing that next high in a sense, um, without like embracing the baseline of that kind of normal sense of happiness that we get. So I think that's another thing that's really important to think about is we're always thinking about the next achievement instead of thinking about the the journey, right? Like that whole process that you went through of prioritizing yourself as a mom and your training and dialing everything in where like it was all about you. Um, And then setting that aside, that can be really hard, really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, and the thing about it is too, sometimes, I mean, you know, having... um, trained, if you train for something, especially for something that's a reach, right? Like Jody wasn't sure that she could do the marathon. You know, you've done an Ironman. I've done some things like that too. And it's like, so, you know, you know, you have to be committed to the process. And sometimes I dreaded it for sure. Like, you know, I'm sure Jody, you saw, you know, 20 mile run. You're like, oh God, for the love of God, I don't want to do it. But yet you knew that you were going to, and then you knew that you were going to get up and do it again and do it and not necessarily a 20 mile run right after that. But you knew that that structure was just there. And it was this like nice safety net to land on as far as giving you structure to your life, giving you, um, I know for me, it gives me a, a place to get um, confidence and positive vibes and balance in my head, you know, and all those things that come from a sweat session. And um, I'm just like, it, it, it's so hard to, I guess I would like, Aaron, for you to talk about the difference between, it's so hard because you want to embrace the process, but at times you hate the process, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you kind of chafe at it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that that's also what can lead to the sense of burnout and a lack of motivation, right? And and I think one of the things that a lot of the work I do is is based on values and and really thinking like who do you want to be as a mom and as a runner and as a teacher? Like what does that look like? Think about the day that you retire from from running or when the kids move out of the house or when you retire from teaching. Like what are the qualities and characteristics that you want people to use to describe you? Right? And often marathon running is a vehicle for that right? It taps into something that is really important to us on the inside. And that's why we do it. And so it's trying to channel those values that are kind of hiding underneath the surface during that process, because then you can really lean into it and, and appreciate it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, Mm -hmm. and everything that comes with it. Well, it's so tangible, right? I mean, marathon running is so tangible or, or running or sports, endurance sports in general. So talk, can you talk a little bit more about like how it uncovers your values. And, and Jody, mm-hmm. if you have anything to say, I would love to have you after Aaron comments, like have mm-hmm. you chime in. Yeah, so I think it, everyone has kind of this motive, right? And this reason for signing up. I guess not everyone. <laughs> Most but a, people but, do. But a lot of people do. A lot yeah, of people yeah. do. And in and, and sports psychologists, we often say, or coaches will say, you know, find your why. Like, what is your why? But it's really hard to know what it is unless you really sit down and, and think about it because it's often hiding, it's kind of sneaky. And, and so, you know, one example for me when I was in grad school is when I started running. And, mm-hmm. and my, I didn't realize it at the time, but in hindsight, and I, I signed up for marathons and it allowed me to train consistently. And in hindsight, my, my value there was my own health and my self-care because I knew that I would be spending way too much time studying and working if I didn't actually like carve out a specific thing that would allow me to prioritize myself. And by signing up for a marathon, 
I knew that I had to train in order to do it, right? Like a 5K wouldn't have been enough because I knew I could phone it in, right? And so the the value there was my my health and my wellness, and the marathon was the vehicle for me to get there, right? Um, and so we always think about values as like a compass. They're they're there to guide you, and they don't go away. The marathon is the is one of those points along the way, right? Sure. So Jody, do you know why you signed up? What was your why behind your marathon? I'm curious if you know it, and if you don't, that's okay. Um. Well, I. I had said a while ago that probably you know, I'm 46 years old. It was probably when I turned 40. I said before I turned 50, I wanted to run a 5K, a 10K, a half, and a full. And it was kind of a like big pipe dream. I didn't think I'd ever do it. But then when this opportunity came up that I could run it virtually, which kept me in my comfort zone, mm-hmm. but still allowed me to achieve that goal, it was I thought it was a good opportunity because I didn't know if I'd have that opportunity again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, sure, sure. So I took it. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And what did it do for you? Like, if you think about the training and like the process, what did you get out of it? Well, and it's funny because as you were talking, I was thinking, I was thinking about that, and I think most of the things I do, I do for my kids or I do for my husband. And running is one of those things that nobody can help me do it. No one's going to make my legs move except for me. Like it's something that is 100% I do myself. And it was almost like I wanted to just prove to myself that I could, I could do it and I could do it as best I could. So, and that was kind of part of my, like I, my husband always tells me I put too much pressure on myself, but like that was part of my goal of. I wanted to be under four hours. Like even if I had three fifty nine fifty nine, to me, that was a win. Like I just, you know, like I just set that little goal. It was that and don't walk. Like those were my two goals. So I figured if I kept up with them, I, I would do pretty good. And I'd feel confident that I did this all by myself. Like nobody trained me. I mean, I followed your training program, but, but yeah. I did it all myself. I figured it all out on my own and, and, that was my, I think my, what it was that just mm-hmm. doing it my own for me. There's almost like that sense of like independence or being able to like being able to basically rely on yourself to get something done. Yeah, um, I, mm-hmm. totally. Because I think oftentimes I'm, you know, Avery and Zoe's mom or I'm Pat's wife. Like I'm not often just me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there, and I, this might be very oversimplifying, which is what I do because to try to make like little talking points, um, Aaron, but I mean, so that independence, let's just call it independence for now. Like, is that something that she, in helping um, kind of process her successful marathon and bringing that value to her life as a mother and a teacher, is that something that she should kind of look for um, little little strands of independence in those two roles? Mm-hmm. Would that be, I mean, I, that's not going to, I think the post, we'll, we'll go back to the post race blues, but would that be helpful in the long run? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the work I do is like helping people uncover, like, what is it that really got you to sign up and what, what did you get out of that experience? And, and what do you feel like you might be missing? Right. Because it's that sense of emptiness and, and just kind of missing something like there's a hole somewhere. And, and it's not just the runs or, you know, it's not just the training plan or how you're, you're structuring your day. It goes deeper than that. And it's like really having the sense of purpose and really actively working towards something. And so it's, it's trying to help 
like help yourself pivot to saying like, I can keep going in this direction. There's just going to be a different checkpoint along the way. Right. And so you can really lean in to being like independent, for example, or some people might do it because they know it makes them a better mom or a better wife. Right. Sure. That could be the value is like, I am much more patient when I'm actively training. Right. Or um, I'm happier in general. I'm more lively. Right. And so that could be the value. And so then it's really thinking about there's a strategy we call um, flavor and savor. So you think about what is the value that I want to work toward today? Is it family? Is it community? Is it faith or spirituality or health? Like, what does that look like? If I was really like holding true to this just for a day, what would I be doing? And then flavoring your day with that value and then savoring it when it shows up, right? So it could be a walk on your own in the morning um, without any podcasts or audiobooks or news in your earbuds, right? And just the sense of like solidarity or this, um, I don't know, is that the word? Like being alone. Solitude. Like being, yeah. Solitude, thank you. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Um, Or is it this like peace and calm, right? Like what is it that running gives you? And it's finding other outlets for that. And, and that's just a temporary thing, right? I mean, because, you know, we don't, like, I think we, we all would agree, like it's important to, if that's something that, brings like endurance sports brings a lot to I would say the three of our lives right and mm-hmm. people listening so you don't want to eliminate that altogether but I also don't want to put people I mean re- recovery is real right and so like this is a little bit of a helping you over that speed bump so yeah so tapping into that value in a different way while your body recovers and while you figure out what your next goal post is going to be is that kind of what you're saying here absolutely and yeah. I think a lot of us don't take recovery seriously enough Like we don't, especially because we get so much from the training and it it provides a lot for us. And it's like, I, I have to, I have to do it myself. You know, I just talked to my coach yesterday and said, I'm, I'm burnt out. I feel, you know, I feel all of the signs I need to listen to it and practice what I preach. And so I'm taking two weeks to do absolutely nothing. I can walk the dogs. Like I, I cannot get on the bike because I just know that I'm, (laughs) I can't take it easy if I get on the bike. Right. So it's, you have to take recovery super seriously. And one thing that I've seen and also experienced myself is we sign up for that next race and we push it because we're on that hedonic treadmill and we're looking for that next achievement. Like, Oh, maybe I can shave off five minutes. Like, let's see what I can do next time. Right. And then that's the recipe for injury because we're just not giving our bodies enough time to rest and recover. Saying I'm a loyal lover of noon hydration tablets is like stating the earth is round or the sky blue. It's 100% the truth. I drink noon sport right before every workout and on my long runs. I drink noon vitamins at breakfast. I drink noon rest after a challenging day of work. And I've been drinking a lot of noon immunity during the workday in an effort to stave off the nasty cold that's making the rounds here in Portland. Given how much we talk up noon, I suspect you already know they're electrolyte-rich tablets you drop into a bottle of water to let it fizz and dissolve. Each variety of Noon contains differing amounts of electrolytes, like Noon Sport contains more potassium, sodium, calcium, and magnesium to replace what you sweat out on your run. I'm really loving two seasonal flavors of Noon Immunity, Spice Cider and Blackberry Acai. I took a cue from Dimity and I've been dropping a Spice Cider Immunity tablet into a mug of boiling water. An immunity-boosting mug of hot goodness is just the thing on chilly fall days. These flavors are limited editions, so get them now. Whatever flavor or variety of noon you want, 
Get 20% off your entire order by visiting noonlife.com and using promo code NoonAMR20. That's N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com and code NoonAMR20. N-U-U-N-A-M-R-2-0, all one word, to save 20%. Noonlife.com, code NoonAMR20 to save 20%. So I'm curious, Aaron, and this might be, if this is too personal, that's okay, but I'm just like, how, does that, two weeks off the bike, does that kind of send you uh, into a little, over a wall, a little bit of anxiety just because that's an outlet, right? Yeah. And it's really, and it's being able to like, there's all of this self-talk, right? Like, am I, am I losing fitness? Right. Am I falling behind? Is my competition training when I'm not? And so I have to remind myself consistently, like my body is doing a lot of work these Mm -hmm. next two weeks, a lot, like it's repairing all of those little tiny tears that I've created over the past year through my training. And you have to let your body adapt in order to get to the next level. And so if I don't provide it with like that nice reset at least once a year, it's not going to adapt. I'm going to plateau. And then I'm just shooting myself in the foot. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm curious and um, maybe I'll start with you, Jody. And and I don't know how much you are a social media person, like a Strava or, you know, putting your stuff up on Instagram or whatever. But I mean, I know that one of the things that is hard for me is when I'm training hard, I love, the the um acc- not acclaim that sounds too much but i like the acknowledgement acknowledgement that's the a word that i was looking for right you know like looking on strava and seeing both like you know if i beat my you know whatever up this hill last time or um you know how far i went or you know just i just i just really like that that very tangible proof of something that i did that was hard and i finished and i'm improving and people seeing that like is that, and so then you, you're like, okay, and now I'm going to go for a 20 minute walk today. And again, nothing against walking. I'm, I'm there, but you know, like it doesn't quite have that same bang, you know? So I'm Jody, are you a big, do you use social media a lot while you're training for your marathon or not so much? Um, yes. And no, uh, I do do that, but it's only usually like with my own head. And if I feel like I've done something really great, I might post it. Okay. Like, like if I feel my, my own personal achievement from it, like, wow, you know, I, I used to, you know, I did this same exact, you know, whatever run, but I did it, you know, I took two minutes off my time and it's like, wow, that's pretty good. And then, you know, I might post something like that because I already feel like I did pretty good with it. So now, sure. you know, like that extra little bonus of somebody else saying like, Hey, a girl that, yeah, you know. Like- Icing on the cake almost, right? Like you've already had your cake and now you got another bite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Erin, can you talk a little bit about that? And I mean, I I, I don't know. I I obviously have very mixed emotions about it because I know rationally it's probably not the smartest thing, but it's Mm -hmm. also the reality of the world we live in, you know? Yeah. There's a... One of the most popular like theories in in psychology is this theory called self-determination theory. And it's fascinating once you learn about it. Jody may have also heard about it with education because they use it often for teaching and for students. Like there's three main things that that increase motivation in people. The first is a sense of autonomy, like doing it because you feel like you have a choice. And this can include for parenting, like, do you want to practice your piano before dinner or after dinner? 
like you still have to practice your piano, but you get a choice, right? So that can help with the motivation is feeling as though you have a choice. And so when the marathon is all yours, like you chose this, you signed up for this, that's, that helps with the motivation. The second is a sense of relatedness or community. And this is where the social media can come in is especially with Strava and Facebook groups, right? It's a big sense of community of other people who are like you. And so you feel like you belong. And so that can also create the sense of burnout after a marathon because you're like, am I still in this community? Like I'm not actively training anymore. So then what does that mean? Right? So, so that's another thing that can increase that motivation, but also decrease it if you're not getting it. And then the third is a sense of competence or like feeling like you're good at what you're doing. And that's also where social media comes in, especially with Strava and kudos and Instagram likes and comments. So the dangerous piece of that is those things are all external and you're relying on other people to help you get them. Right. And so you also need to kind of complement that with that internal or that intrinsic motivation, which is your why, you know, what are your values? And so if you balance that out, then you're good, but that's where it can get dark and scary is if you're relying too much on other, other people providing you that sense of validation or competence. Sure. Sure. Well, and I think for a lot of us too, it's, it's, you know, pandemic, you know, obviously enhances. This is how we interact with the world, right? So it's like, you know, if I'm not out posting my four mile run with a selfie and getting connecting to other people, like then I feel a little bit emptier. And it's not necessarily that, you know, it's my splits. It's more that, hey, they saw me. I got to be connected to them. I, mm-hmm. I heard from them today. They noticed me today, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, okay. So practically, and um, again, both of you guys, I would love to hear you um, weigh in on this. Um, Aaron, what are some things that like just, you know, that, especially that first week, because I feel like, again, all the articles I read, it kind of hits pretty hard, you know, maybe the day or two after a race. Like mm-hmm. what can you do just practically to to give yourself some grace and not necessarily get back on the treadmill looking for that next peak. Yeah. I think the, one of the hardest things to do, especially for, for women and endurance athletes is, is self-compassion. Like you've got to be kind to yourself and just let yourself feel like that. Um, and instead of like beating yourself up, be like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? What did I do wrong? Right. And cause that, that just creates more of a negative spiral. And so the first thing is like, okay, like, this is a thing for me. I'm just like not feeling very hot today. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling empty. Like, this is weird. Um, and then it's kind of asking yourself, okay, what is like, what do I need right now? Right. Um, it's not to go on a run. Like, that's not going to help you. And so it could be more time with the kids or, or the family members or your spouse. It could be, you know, coffee with a friend who you haven't seen in six months because you've been so busy training and because there's been a pandemic. And so it's kind of asking yourself, what have I, intentionally or unintentionally set aside or put on the back burner for the past six plus months while training for this event, because that can be a really good opportunity to start to lead and lean into those things instead. Nice. Nice. Uh, Jody, what, did you do anything that, um, that lifted your mood, like either, either consciously or unconsciously, like you're like, wow, I feel better. Or was it just a time thing, Jody? Well, um, I, I think it was a little bit of a time thing. Like I, I, said from the start, I was going to give myself, you know, rest day and there's no running and no working out. And I was just going to relax and do this. And then when it came down to it, that it just wasn't going to happen for me. So at the end of, after that first week, the following weekend, after my marathon, I decided that I needed to do something if I was going to feel better. So there was, um, 
a new program on the iFit that it was a walking program, but I love them. They're like these creepy, scary, you know, he goes to creepy places. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just start doing that. Like I just, it was just something that I was like, okay, well, when I get home, that's what I'm doing. Like it gave me something that like I was doing. And then it slowly, like I slowly got out of it. And then I felt better because I felt like I was doing something. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt so, I don't know sad that I had nothing to do. Like I wasn't doing anything. And for so long I've been running or, you know, training or strength training or yoga. I've had something and I had nothing. And I just felt like I needed to do something. And even if that meant walking to like ease myself back into running, I felt like I had to do it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. When we used to speak at expos, we would often, we would often talk about this actually. Um, we just haven't spoken at an expo in a long time, but we'd often say like next weekend, like make some plans now, like whether it's cleaning your linen closet, going to a movie with a friend, you know, baking a big cake that you, you know, have had your eye on for a while, whatever, but just like something to fill that void a little bit because yeah, it's, it's not just even about those feelings. It's that, it's that big, canyon of time those three to four hours of the long run or a long ride or training session whatever it happens to be so yeah especially on the weekends right it's like we always plan our weekends around our long runs when we're actively training and so it's saying like okay is there like a day trip that I could take or like let's go somewhere with the family let's do something like you know what have I not been able to do and that's a really good way to still feel like you have that sense of purpose and meaning because you're still actively working towards something that's important to you I like it. All right. So Aaron, when, um, I'm curious, when did the post-race blues merit like professional help? Like when, I mean, some people call it post-race depression, but that might be a little, um, you know, that might be a little aggressive for a, a description of it. But like, you know, if, if Jody were still feeling yucky in a month, two weeks, like when do you kind of say, okay, I need to call in some, some reserves here? Yeah. It's our, like the formal answer is six weeks. Okay. Um, and so, and, and the other formal answer is if you're having like the signs and symptoms more than half of the days for a period of at least six weeks. And so if for more days than not, you're feeling these things and then some of the main signs and symptoms, which are super normal and typical and common immediately after a marathon. So I just need to name that changes in sleep, pretty common that you can't sleep very well the night after a marathon, right? Sure. sure. Changes in appetite. Yes, your appetite will absolutely change because your training has also changed drastically when like both like with taper, right? And then the marathon itself and then the recovery. So those things are very typical. If they last six weeks or longer, then you know that this is no longer that post-race blues. Um, And then this feeling of like helplessness, increased irritability where you're like snapping more often at, you know, family members, friends, partners, and just like more crabby. and then some of the other things can be just this sense of like hopelessness or like this lack of worth. Like, what am I doing with my life? There's no point anymore. Like, I'm going to quit running altogether. It doesn't matter. Um, so when those things are happening pretty consistently and then it creates this sense of like it's negatively affecting your duties and your roles, whether it be work or being like, you know, being a parent, um, if it's starting to really get in the way of things, mm-hmm. then that then it's time to see someone. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. That's really helpful. And um, and then last question um, for both of you. I'm curious, like, you know, a lot of the, again, the advice articles online are like, sign up for another race, you know, um, like with the caveat, like, you know, let your body recover or whatever. But when do you think, like, is it, when do you think it's important to set another goal? I mean, is it 
are you doing yourself favors or harm if you do it within that week of say finishing a marathon or should you give yourself you know a little cooling off time or is it person by person or kind of talk a little bit about that Erin I've (laughs) I can give you the formal answer and then also what I have done okay yeah (laughs) Um, yes both please (laughs) I'd say like the formal like you know the psychologist answer is like give yourself some time to kind of settle and let 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 the feelings settle and so that it's you're not doing it as like a quick reaction or filler right especially given like it's a big commitment marathons are expensive like it's a big thing right and so make sure that you feel really good about it. And it's not kind of this impulsive, like, I'm just going to do it. Right. Um, <laughs> though I have also signed up for things really quickly without thinking of it. I've done multiple marathons and like a short span in hindsight, I, which I should not have. And so I think it's a matter of like, let the feelings settle and you're like, yes, absolutely. Cause part of it is it's a huge piece of our identity, right? Like we do this for a reason and and it really fills our bucket and it allows us to be really happy and fulfilled and healthy. And, and so if that is our vehicle, then like, yeah, stick with it. Um, because otherwise, if you wait too long, it can create this sense of like, well, what's next? I don't know if I'll be able to do it again. I did it once and you just get more self-doubt. So yeah, give yourself a little bit of time, but then I say, go for it. <laughs> that horse. Yeah. So, so then that is the eventual question. Uh, Jody, have you thought about what you want to do next? Or if you, I mean, cause it sounds like you, you got, did you get those four distances before turning 50? Was that the marathon was the fourth one? Yeah. That was the fourth one. Yeah. Okay. So do you have any, have you daydreamed at all? And if the answer is no, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to put pressure on you. <laughs> no, I, I, I really don't. I, I, you know, if something comes up, I might agree and, and do it. But right now I'm just sort of going to enjoy just running and working, you know, strength training again and just see what happens. Sure. Hopefully there'll sure. be another love the run next year and I'll <laughs> jump on board. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you in there for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you two have been lovely. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Aaron, you are a lot of insight and, and a lot of, um, you know, unexpected ways of coming at it, which I think is nice. It's not just, you know, um, recover and, and find something to knit. You know, it was it was tapping into your values and that kind of thing. And that was really helpful, I think, going a little bit deeper. And Jody, again, thank you for for sharing that on the on the Facebook page and, and being a little vulnerable and, and asking because, I mean, a lot of people chimed in and said it was normal. But again, if you didn't know it, a lot of people won't know it. And I hope that this was a really helpful episode for people. So I appreciate you both. Thank Thank you so much.